0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Well, Well. This is Jarell.
1: I'm Rachel. Thank you for joining us again. We have... I'm not supposed to play favorites, but I have to say this is one of my, if not my favorite podcast guests ever, because this is one of my favorite people ever. Mm. Um, to me... He is Mr. C. But to the rest of the world, he can be his actual full name that he probably uses outside of the martial arts studio, Henry Cowanthog. This is my martial arts instructor. Fun fact for anyone who doesn't know that about me. I did martial arts for a very long time, like 10 years, um, and only stopped because I relocated and have not yet convinced Mr. C to also relocate to New York. (laughs) So one day... So Mr. C, welcome. Thank you for joining us.
2: Good morning. Good morning.
1: <laughs> so we wanted to talk to you, obviously. This is still something that really upsets me because it took, Jarrell, when did we start this podcast? This was a January project?
0: Uh, yeah. This so. year?
1: Wow. That's a long time. So yeah. it has taken six months for me to think of having Mr. C on the podcast, and that still upsets me. Um, I'm not over that. It, this you should have been like our first guest. So sure, you're here now.
2: Well, so. now, now I'm here. and I'm on the best podcast. So it's awesome.
1: Oh, thank you. Thanks. So why don't you just kind of introduce yourself to Jarell, who doesn't know you, you know, for most of the her, most of his life, <laughs> and to our audience? Who are you? What do you do? And why are you here?
2: Okay. Well, uh, I am Henry Todd. Most likely known as Mr. C or Master C to the martial arts community. And I uh, run my own martial arts studio. And I've been doing that for personally. have been running that dojo for 20 years. I've uh, been personally training and teaching in some which way in martial arts for almost my entire life. But formally for the last 25 years. Uh, I met Rachel uh, at when she was, I want to say 12, 12 years old. Yep. 12 12 so we can start doing the math from there and she was actually one of my very first students when i opened that school wow uh, all the way and we opened in march of 99 and she pretty much joined shortly after that her mother was actually taking our we had cardio kickboxing which uh back in the late 90s and early 2000s taibo was a huge thing So yes. every, every every martial arts school <laughs> had some type of taibo program because you know it was trendy then, and it was an easy way to get enrollments into your school, especially if a school was first starting. And so her mom uh, was taking the classes, and then she realized, wait, there's like kids martial arts classes here. Now, at the time, of course, Rachel didn't want to be known as a kid, but- uh, <laughs> uh, That was
1: actually my first thought when you said that. I was like, I was not a child. Still, <laughs> still <laughs>
2: reacting to that, yeah. <laughs> she, she was, a, she was a very much an old soul in a young body, especially when I <laughs> first met her. And, uh, and that's, that's how our relationship started, and there's many stories behind that, but let me finish my introduction first before <laughs> I do that. Um, and I, it, it's an interesting thing, starting this whole experience and going through this, because it was never my intention to do. Um, we're a family martial arts school, and to tell me that 20 years later, I'm teaching kids as young as three and a half, all the way to adults on a regular basis, I would have told you you were crazy. Mm -hmm. Because I had no intention of becoming a professional martial arts instructor. Uh, It was a job. Because I was, at the time I was in college, I was actually on a pre-med track. I was going to be a doctor. Mm -hmm. And I was already, throughout high school, I was competing in martial arts tournaments. And I was kind of co-teaching or assistant teaching. Uh, I was a program director at our school near the latter end of uh, high school for me which is basically someone who just signs people up for karate and kind of deals with people's challenges when they when they have to deal with Billy or any other type of instance. Mm. And it was just a job. The reason why I like martial arts is because I like kicking and punching people. That was it. It was a fun thing to do and it looked kind of impressive when you were trying to date a girl and she could see you compete at a tournament and then you won the tournament and it was pretty impressive when you were a teenage boy. Yeah. And so that was the only reason why I did it. Then my instructor, uh, Kiyoshi Fred De Palma, basically said, hey, I'm going to open up this school in Scottsdale. Actually, I'm going to open up eight schools at the same time, and I'm going to send you out there. And I just looked at him and went, yes, sir, okay, okay. <laughs> because that's my personality. As Rachel knows, I'm pretty much the yes-sir kind of person, when, especially when it came to Kiyoshi. Mm-hmm. And um, there we go. That's where the story went. And when we can go further into it, unless you have some other questions you want to ask?
1: Yes, that's actually a really good transition. And I have to say, my mother is going to just be beside herself with the amount of yep. you just gave her. She gets very excited. Yes. When she <laughs> so you have just made her day. But, yeah, so you'd mentioned that you didn't think that this was going to be your career. This was not, like, 15-year-old you, which, by the way, was not that much earlier than when I actually met you, although you wouldn't say how old you were for you. No,
0: I did. No. <laughs> <laughs> I actually
1: his age because of one day I stole his wallet and looked. Um,
0: That's a very Rachel thing to do. Which is very yeah.
1: ridiculous after a certain point. So, anyway um, – You didn't think that this was going to be what you wanted to do. This wasn't your dream and at least not for your entire life. Um, Now I feel like it's very trendy to do things like that. Like you're going to not follow a traditional career path. You're going to make your own schedule and be an entrepreneur and all of these things. Like, you know, you're talking to two people who have done this and, but it's very common now. This is like what all the millennials are doing. But that was not true in the late '90s. So, what was that like? What was that transition like to go from I'm going to med school to I'm now running a karate school? Because those are not similar.
2: No, they're they are not. Well, and also how like your family reacted to that? Oh, that's that's. So, good. <laughs> so I'm I'm Filipino. I'm first generation born in, um, here. So I'm the literally. I am the first one of both sides of my uh, parents' families that have been born in the United States. So natural born citizen and everything. So that was a big deal, obviously. Um, It did not go over well Mm -hmm. when I decided to change career paths because uh, if you live, and and it's not just Filipino, it it could be anyone who lives in a kind of a traditional family uh, setting, Uh, your, your future was predetermined by your parents. Yeah, your parents pretty much said you're going to go to med school. You're going to become a doctor. You're going to do this. Um, there's a, a comedian named Joe Coy. He's like a half American, half uh, a yeah. American comedian yeah, that, right. I, that, that I, my, my wife and I love because yeah. everything he says Comedy is so funny when it's real. Mm. And everything he relates to, and the way his parents are and the way his mom was, is exactly the way my mom was. <laughs> it was much everything was predetermined. Everything you're going to go to med school, you're going to do this, and then you're going to go and do your residency here and you're going to go to school here and you're going to do this and then you're going to take care of me and then I get to be my grandchildren and it's just everything was already told. So when you were 5 years old, you were already told what your life was going to be. Mm. And I didn't know any different from that. I just kind of kept going along with it. I did really, really well in school. I like to say, to say I was a really good academic student. And what basically happened was I had this part-time job, and it became a somewhat of a full-time job, obviously having to be a head instructor of a school at the age of 19, which, once again, wasn't that much older than Rachel, and that's a story mm-hmm. in itself of why I always hit my age for such a long time, <laughs> uh, especially when teaching. She'll love to hear that because I've actually never really disclosed that to her. Um, but, um, you know, I did it and what was funny was I really started liking it. And I think that's the, I I was never told to like something to do like a career path. You were told to do it. This is what you were expected to do. You were expected to do this career, make this much money, have this type of prestige. And I loved going to work every day. I hated going to college every day. Mm. I hated going to school, even though I was really good in school. I graduated number seven in my graduating class, a class of like 450 people. Um, I had a full-ride scholarship to ASU uh, between scholarships that I had raised and also a tuition waiver because I graduated so high in my class. So I had it set. I didn't have to pay for school. I was, if I just kept doing my path, I would have been fine but I, I hated every day going to it. It was just another day. And here, here's the funny thing. I think the big shift for me was when I was in, I was in biology class. Or no, it, was, it could have been organic chemistry. I don't remember which class it was. Either, they, they kind of go together after a while. And as the person is doing the lecture, on my notes, I'm not writing notes on the lecture. I'm writing my class outline for the day of how I'm gonna teach classes. Wow. And that was really poignant for me. That was one instance. Um, and the second instance was we, uh, and I, this one's very specific, and Rachel knows this story because I like to share this with a lot of instructor training events. But I also do national training things with people, and I like sharing the story. You and also
1: was, have the same stories for decades.
2: I do. They're <laughs> I mean, great. It's like comedy material, it's good the yeah. first time. So I'll <laughs> keep working with it. Keep using so. it.
1: The jokes have not changed either.
2: So. <laughs> it worked because I've enrolled new students every month and it's brand new and they laugh at it and it's fantastic. That's yeah. hilarious. So I was doing uh, I was studying for an organic chemistry test and this was a big test because if you are if you were if you're in pre-med or, or a doctor, you realize that uh, in your undergraduate they have specific classes that they literally put to make, they make them hard to start mm-hmm. weeding out people. Mm-hmm. and At ASU at the time, organic chemistry was the class where they weeded out people who were either, if you were gonna do organic chemistry it's because you were gonna go into some type of science field that dealt with organic chemistry or you were gonna be a doctor. And so this is their time to start weeding people out. So they didn't teach you, they just threw the book at you and you had to figure out everything. So I just remember the lecturer just speaking in a language I didn't understand but I was expected to understand it. But I'm studying for this test. And at one point, I'm just literally pulling out the hair that I had at the time. I am um, just going crazy. And at one point, I just throw the book across my bedroom. And I go to bed because I'm done. Mm. I literally just burned out. And when I wake up the next morning, I make the choice that, you know what? I don't want do, to be a doctor. I want to be a cry instructor. Uh, I, I want to teach because of those two moments, knowing that every day I was thinking about what I was gonna do while I was teaching classes. More importantly, I was thinking of the people. I was thinking of Rachel. I was thinking of Katie. I was thinking of Gavin. I was thinking of of Matt. I was thinking of all of, of a mirror. I gotta mention a mirror because if I don't mention a mirror, he's gonna <laughs>
1: actually be like really upset at you. That right. was for him for life. <laughs> I,
2: I thought of them and I thought of how I get to see their faces. And I get to interact with them and I get to see their progress. And that enriched me and made me realize this is what I want to do. I want to do something. My, my personality is I like serving Rachel knows this and it's kind of gotten me in trouble uh, over the course of my life, but I love helping people. I will, I'm the kind of person for, for as cliche as it sounds, I will take the shirt off my back to help you. Yeah. I, I, that's just my personality. And so, the fact that I got to choose a career path where I got to, first of all, I love martial arts. I'm just a, a martial arts geek, whether it's a stand-up art like Kenpo Karate that we do or Jiu-Jitsu or if we're doing a weapons training thing uh, based form like Scream or Kali. I'm just a martial arts geek. Martial arts is my hobby. Teaching and enriching people's lives through the martial arts, that's my passion and career. Mm-hmm. I love seeing what it does to people as you know, Rachel doesn't train anymore, but as she said, probably repeatedly through multiple instances, a lot of what she has become was because of those earlier teachings, and that's why I do it. Oh, uh, yeah, uh,
1: you're in my head. <laughs> like yeah, random moments, <laughs> essentially. And yeah, it's all the
2: time. That's 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 what that's it's about finding opportunities. I say this all the time to students that a lot of the times. You're given an opportunity, but if your mind's not open to trying it or to even look at it from a different angle, you'll never realize it's an opportunity. You won't realize that that's the girl or the guy of your dreams mm-hmm. unless you actually just say, hey, and say hello. Mm-hmm. You, you have to be willing to put yourself out there and take risks. I always give the analogy of, of sparring. Uh, we do point karate. And what I always tell my fighters, and I still said it for years, is that you you will always Miss the shot that you never take. You'll always miss the kick that you never try. So, why not just try it and just do it? Because the hesitation that's building in you is just going to get bigger unless you take care of that opportunity. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's really funny because, you know, I don't even know if we ever talked about this, but there was a moment you were studying during cardio kickboxing. I was. Uh, which was like, I don't know how someone studies that music was loud and repetitive, and she, Babette was her name. Free. Yes, um, I
2: see her pretty often. She lives on this side of
1: town. Oh right, that make yeah. I remember you said that, but yeah, I said like, what are you doing? And I remember like I had not known you very long, so you're I always know you was like this like very you know, jolly, enthusiastic person. We had not gone on a long car ride yet, so Mm -hmm. I didn't know what you looked like when you were aggravated. And I just remember this look on your face when I was like, oh, what are you studying? And you're like, nothing good. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, We're leaving that alone. Like, that's fine. So clearly, in the middle of that process, it was nothing you wanted to be doing. But I assume people kind of thought you were crazy.
2: Yes, my my parents pretty much didn't talk to me for a week when I mm-hmm. and it made the initial choice.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, my friends that I grew up with, who uh, uh, it's it's funny because you know when you when you go through the type of academic track I went through, the honors classes, the AP classes, mm-hmm. you're in a room full of overachievers since the freshman year of high school. Yeah. And so here are my friends who are either going to law school. Or becoming doctors on their own or becoming some crazy scientist that you can't even pronounce. Um, They're looking at me and going, are you stupid? Why would you do that? And my other part of my personality is I don't care what people say or think. I really have never cared. Uh, if you look at pictures of me in high school and see my hairstyles, and pictures, <laughs> it's no, clear that no, you didn't care. It's completely clear. <laughs> I just liked what I liked, and I did it, which probably could have been a, would have been a precursor to me changing the, my life choice and, and doing martial arts for a living. Mm-hmm. But I just, I've never been like that. And I, I can't tell you exactly where that came from, but I just never wanted to be branded. Actually, and uh, Rachel knows this, I hate being predictable. So one of my biggest pet peeves is when someone says you're so predictable, I actually get irritated by it. Because <laughs> I even though I know I'm predictable, even right. though I know I like my routines and I'm going to be early to a meeting, I'm going to be late for a class, I know that's going to happen, I just don't like the idea of being predictable because I want to be someone that's always changing and is something that is always unexpected. Uh I just had this at a team meeting the other day when we were talking to our new staff of instructors, which Rachel got to meet, and she found out she was the man, the, the myth, the legend that I try to make her out every day.
1: Yeah, that, that was nice. People are like, oh my God, I've heard so much about you. Like, I have no idea who you are.
2: <laughs> but they know you because you're the legend. Um, and I was telling them that, that when we have a new student come in, they have a conception of what martial arts is supposed to be, we have to break that conception and build a brand new one that they never expected. And that's our goal every day when we have a new student come in, a new family come in, is they kind of break that mold. But you know, going back to the original question, uh, nobody nobody was very supportive. Nobody was all. The people that were supportive were the people who didn't know they needed to be supportive, which were my students, my students and my families. So. At the beginning of the day, when I didn't have my parents speak to me because I decided to choose my career path, I would go and teach Rachel, and she would have a begrudging smile on her face, but she'd be smiling and enjoying herself. Uh, Seeing Greg Golder, Jenna Golder, some of my early students back then, seeing the smiles on their faces when they finally got that kick or that technique that I was teaching, that's what brought me satisfaction. And I think that here's the lesson in life. You get to choose who you want to listen to. You get to choose what you want to focus on and what words and what people that you want to emulate and you want to follow. And it's a really weird thing because everyone always looks at me as a mentor, but I followed my students. I followed my families because they're the ones that told me without telling me that what I was doing was right.
0: Right. Well, and I.
2: I wanted to go back to something
0: you said, because I think that ties back to something really interesting. That I think people can take away from all this and from your story, how you got started is also you gave yourself the opportunity to listen to yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. So like when you were studying, like you had this feeling of like, I, this, this sucks. I don't want this, you know, like you, you gave yourself the opportunity to just listen to how you were feeling and saw that as a valid is a valid part of your decision making process. And I think that a lot of times, you know, people overlook how they're feeling about something because they say like, oh, I want a certain kind of life or these are these expectations for me. And that can be fine and good if that aligns with who you are, but I think it's important to question that and give yourself the space to say, how do I actually feel about this thing? Is this the right thing for me? And then pivot from there.
1: Yeah, and I also have to just pause. Like, we're gonna go on with the you know normal trajectory of the conversation, but we did not pay enough attention to that whole idea of you don't like being called predictable, and <laughs> briefly mentioned that you're like, you know, I know I'm someone who likes my routine. No, I I don't think anyone understands to the level that that exists.
2: <laughs> go for it. Tell them if you want to tell.
1: Them. <laughs> Literally the same. Thing Every day we'll go to the same five restaurants and order the same thing repeatedly. We'll eat three snacks like that. That's it. Infamously is known for so there are chairs drill you will appreciate this story. There are chairs in the waiting room or the spectator section of the school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, every once in a while, people would, like, move them, you know, not, like, out into the bathroom or onto the mat. But, you know, you're wanting to have a conversation with somebody that you're sitting next to, so you might slightly turn the chair. So this was unacceptable to Mr. Safe. Mm. could not move the chairs in the seating area. That was just, just a cardinal sin. And so what happened was not so much just a nice acceptance of sometimes people are going to move the chairs, mm. For the last, let's say, 19 and a half years, the chairs in the seating area have been twisty-tied together.
2: <laughs> Industrial strength zip ties so they don't break so often. Yes, yep.
1: If you move these chairs a quarter of an inch, he will know.
0: That's hilarious.
1: So I, I just had to mention that, and I feel like that also is probably what made it not easier but more doable is that I'm sure the people who thought you were crazy and told you that you were being crazy I can only imagine spurred on the massive amount of stubbornness to be like well I'll show you that I'm not
2: right that's exactly what it did (laughs) (laughs) Um, I it's it's I like everything to have its place uh, I'm the person, now it's funny cause I'm in my wife's office and my wife has a certain organizational style that I love and all I want to do is start organizing all her things and I'm trying not to right now. And, oh
1: right, that is also a thing. It's yes. not just the space, it's everyone's space.
2: <laughs> That's right. To- you know, it's, it's, it's for me, it, I like the routine because, and this goes back to kind of the martial arts side of it for me. I like the routine because if something does break routine, it's easier for me. I feel it's easier for me to adapt if I have a steady routine because I can always go back to that track again. Mm. So, for instance, um, and uh, Rachel will know this, you'll have a class plan when teaching four, five, and six year olds. That plan can completely drastically change in the first three seconds of the class. Right. And you have to kind of roll with that. But knowing that you have a class plan that you can always go back to, uh, fall that kind of relates back to our story of, 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 of opportunities, and knowing you have a plan that you can always go back to is comforting while you're still trying to adapt to that situation. Knowing that you have a home to go back to makes the day so much easier to deal with, knowing that you have a steady place that you can go to. Right
1: yeah and drill thank you for pointing out for not pointing out i should say the fact that while i make fun of mr c i am not that far off from twisty tying chairs in my listen, life. So
0: listen, this and i knew this was gonna happen i was like i'm gonna learn so much more about the origin of the things that rachel does as we're talking to mr c and i was like oh man this is
2: <laughs> it's rich i tell you i'm gonna i'm gonna share a story since she shared a story about me <laughs> Okay, so I think it's really funny that Rachel is a runner, that she mm-hmm. is a marathon runner. Ah, uh-huh. okay. So when she let uh, this, this this when she first started, we kind of already kind of uh, had a prelude to this. She really didn't want to be there. Her mom, uh, I believe you you had done swim before. You were really yeah. big into competition swim, and I, I don't remember exactly, but for whatever reason, you stopped doing it, and uh, your mom was very. This is a good lesson for parents. Your mom was very, very, it was very important to her that you were involved in some type of physical activity. You had to, you couldn't just sit around and do nothing at all. You had to do something. And so why not try out karate? Let's see how it goes. Um, She did her orientation with me. She did her three classes. She stayed because for some, for some reason she liked it enough that I convinced her to at least try it a little bit longer. Or her mom at that point said, you know what? This is a good thing for you. This is a good person to work with. You're going to try this a little bit longer, Rachel. And that first month, I have to tell you, Rachel was very, very stubborn in wanting to learn anything. She was hesitant. She was uh, not so much disobedient. But if you know Rachel, she is very calculated in her disobedience. Mm-hmm. She, she, she knows, like, okay, you want me to do this? I'm going to figure out an underhanded way to – and this, is, oh, this isn't her now. <laughs> Maybe a little bit no. now. No. But early on, I mean, this is – I could tell her coming to me, uh, knowing her background, knowing you know, how, how her parents' relationship and how she grew up now, years later, I completely understand the Rachel that was in front of me that day or that first month. You know, she was very guarded because new people, what you want to know me, you want to talk to me. No, I haven't accepted you in my clan. I have The thing about (laughs) Rachel is if she doesn't accept you, she doesn't accept you. Mm -hmm. that's, That's her mindset. Now I like to think that that first month and of course all the time with me I was able to teach her to open up to accept more people because I wouldn't leave and I wouldn't go. And even though she was being stubborn at times, I kept being patient with her and kept caring about her because that was important to me because I could tell that she had potential. I could tell not just martial arts potential, but just, but just potential in general. And I knew that for me, if I stayed positive with her and just kept saying persistent with her, that it was going to, it was going to turn out great. Back to the story, because as Rachel knows, I like to go back and forth on things. Always. In class, we were supposed to be running laps. She was my only student in class. So you run laps. You run like seven laps around the mat just to kind of get warmed up.
1: And I have to say, this school at the time, and I said this several times when I was at the 20th anniversary celebration, because kids these days don't know how good they have it. Because the school now is like massive, there's space, you don't hit people with weapons, you don't break lights when you use a weapon or just, you know, move. And so these laps were ridiculous. It would be like the equivalent of like running around your living room by yourself. (laughs) Why am I running around this like square by myself?
2: And, and, and that's what we had. And so it was easy, and it was also easier <laughs> knowing Rachel's personality. If I sat in front of her and told her to run in place, do jumping jacks, do calisthenics, she would have just looked at me in a funny way. So I thought to myself, you know, I'm just going to have her run a couple of laps. Well, as she's running, she I, I don't know if I can draw this picture really well. She <laughs> has her arms like spaghetti noodles at the side of her body <laughs> running. And all I say is I make the comment, let's use those arms, Rachel. Let's get those arms, get those arms moving up. She doesn't do it at all. She continues just waving her arms. She was so set on doing the complete opposite of what I was telling her to do, <laughs> which at one point I went, well, this looks kind of funny. Yeah, just keep pumping your arms up. So it, it, imagine the runner, Miss, Miss, Miss Rachel, who is our marathon runner, she has it's it's almost like she has no control of her arms whatsoever and they're dragging to her side like she's a chimpanzee and <laughs> she's running laps around the school that looks like a closet so right. it's 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 seeing that type of, of stubbornness <laughs> provided a really good challenge for me and we still had a good class that night you were still smiling at the end of the night by the time it was all done Rachel
1: Oh, yeah, I just didn't want to run the laps.
2: My, how things have
1: changed. <laughs> it was like, why, why I don't understand why I'm doing this, and so therefore, I am not. But, but not entirely not, because I still did. Right. Calculated defiance, that's fair. I was a treat.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Sorry really-
1: to everyone who knew 12-year-old me.
2: Let me share one more story about her, which was actually this, this particular moment about Rachel. And I don't know if it's becoming the Rachel podcast as opposed to me. I'm just getting to share stories here today. <laughs> um, the biggest life-changing – I feel this was a life-changing moment for Rachel. This is me personally, and it's not getting her black belt. For me, this was where I started seeing her differently. And I think more specifically, this is where she saw herself differently. Uh we hold these events called Kid's Night Out, which basically and actually at the time they were sleepovers, so the kids would spend the night it was typically we we held these once a month and how I ever kept this schedule and holding them once a month and and handling twenty to fifty kids and sometimes we we had one where there was close to a hundred kids that spent the night at this little closet school. I, I don't know how the energy to do it back then, but we had this sleepover this kid's night out, and a lot of my teenagers or my 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 young my my older kids or teenagers would come in and help out and Rachel helped out. I don't know if she helped out because she wanted to help out or because all the other teenagers were helping out at the time. Definitely um, the
1: latter. Like, yeah. And, and, and the-
2: I knew that, I knew that, but I was just happy because it kept her involved. <laughs> and my big thing was, is I wanted to keep my students involved and have a positive place to be. And so she came and helped out. And what I typically like doing, and, I, and I'm never shy to do this. I like giving people responsibility even if they don't feel like they're ready for it. Sometimes I start small, sometimes I throw big, and I just say, hey, you're going to teach the four-year-old class, and just do it. Just do the best you can. Because I think people really need to learn to fall on their face mm-hmm. or trip once in a while. Because if you're never in that uncomfortable position, you're always going to be in, in fear of that uncomfortable position. Yeah. And I see it now. I teach adults. Mm-hmm. who it's, it's funny. It's harder to teach adult students than it is to teach six-year-olds. That makes sense. Because adults get in their patterns. They have their insecurities that it's hard to get through. Mm -hmm. So when they don't get a three-move self-defense technique like delayed sword, they get frustrated. Whereas a six-year-old, they're still in the pattern of learning in their life. And if they don't get it, they just go, oh, I'll do it again. Oh, you want me to do it again? I'll do it again. It's almost like a, uh, not necessarily a submissiveness, but it's that understanding that you want me to do it again, I'll do it again. But an adult student, they'll go, I don't need to do it. I don't really, I'm an adult. (laughs) But the moment for Rachel was during this kids' night out, I gave her responsibility. I said, I want you to run, I think it was a warm-up, because we usually run in a small karate class. I want you to run a warm-up. I just want you to do it. And I gave it to her, and she mesmerized me. And I'm not even exaggerating. The way she communicated, the way she handled the group, her voice tone, her mannerisms. To this day, I have still yet to meet somebody who is as natural speaking in front of a group or comfortable in front of people as she was that day, which is hilarious because she never looked comfortable up to that point. She always looked insecure. Even when we were doing something in class, she would always look like she wasn't comfortable doing something, which is why I always pushed her to do something uncomfortable. The fact that she actually volunteered to do this, which I think it was because it was, well, all the other ones get to do it. I want to do it before anybody else. It's that competitive nature that Rachel had. I think that Mm. kind of spurred it. But she did awesome. And then literally the next week, she started assisting in classes because I told her, you're good at this. Next week, you're going to start helping me out with a couple of classes a week which ended up being almost every day of the week. I was
1: going to say, and then That's, I never left the school. <laughs>
2: and, and she lived there. She lived there. She taught between teaching classes and then taking classes, going to tournaments because we traveled to tournaments as well over the weekends, mm-hmm. uh, to doing instructor training events. We traveled to places like Texarkana, Texas, which uh, to this day, I could tell people that I actually tried. Rachel can honestly say she's been to Texarkana, Texas. so. Um, <laughs> It's, it was an amazing experience to see her grow that way and to see that part of her that even when I first met her, I never would have seen in her. Now look at her. She's on a podcast. She speaks in front of people on a daily basis. Look at her. That, that for me, that was probably the most pivotal moment of her early life. That kid's night out. And I, and I like picking moments like that. That's, that was her moment that I think she really started. She grew by leaps and bounds.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm like going to cry. And it's so early. It's not even that early in the day, but it's very early in the day to, Oh, that's so nice. (laughs) But it's very apparent and it's a little odd to say like using stories about me as an example, but like, it's really apparent. You just really, really love what you do. Mm -hmm. And you actually made a kind of similar transition recently where you went out on your own again. Yes. So what was that like, and how was that the same different, I guess, first of all, what was that? Because I know, but no one else knows. But like, what was that like, and how close was it to, you know, the same transition you had to make 20 years ago?
2: Well, it's, this one's very close to home, because obviously, it's very, very recent. So the organization that uh, I was a part of was, uh, uh, and I'll, I'll name drop so it doesn't really make a big deal. the De- is Team USA Martial Arts Organization. Um, they It's rather large in Arizona. Um, they're pretty well known. And I was, obviously that's where I started. I got my black belt in this organization. And I moved through the ranks between a student to an instructor, assistant instructor, so on and so forth, all the way to basically being one of the heads of the organization. And... Being the head of an organization sounds pretty cool, uh, but it's I, I know, So I said one of the heads of the organization. Mm-hmm. In the end, it was always somebody's baby. It was always somebody's business that they were going to run, and I could provide my opinion. I could provide my 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 thoughts on things. And and don't get me wrong. And I and I say this to 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 my instructor, uh, Kiyoshi De Palma. I try to say this to him as much as I can communicate with him is that, uh, he gave me so many opportunities and he gave me so much room to grow and to learn. But at one point I just felt like I wanted to do something on my own. I always kind of, I parallel it with when you have that teenager that turns 18, graduated high school and is ready to move on to the next step of their life. Mm -hmm. Um, you just want to move out and do your new things. You don't want to forget where you came from. You'll Mm -hmm. still come back at home during the holidays. You'll still do the friendly phone calls to to tell mom how you're doing. Um, You'll never forget where you came from and you'll still be part of that family and fully support them. But you just want to go off and do something on on your own. And for me, um, martial arts-wise, I wanted to find a different path on how I wanted to teach my students. Uh, Career-wise, I wanted something that was my own, that was my legacy. That's the name of the school is Legacy Martial Arts of Scottsdale. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to be able to create my legacy because one of my big passions is having everybody see the legacy they get before. Uh, most people are pretty short-sighted. They don't realize that their action today could affect their action tomorrow. Now That's not supposed to cause paranoia. <laughs> Because some people will, will be paranoid about that.
1: Balance. <laughs> but,
2: yeah, yeah. It's, but, it, but it's about knowing that, that the, the small decisions you make do add into something bigger. And mm-hmm. what, what do I tell kids every day? I, I just told this to them, you get our kids class. Life is about choices. You can make your choice. Believe it or not, even though you think you can't make choices as a kid because your parents are making them for you, you are because you're listening to what they're telling you and you get to make the choice of, Do I do good choices? Do I do bad choices? And those good or bad choices are typically based on the values that your parents teach you. But I just wanted to move on and create my choices and to be able to say, this is what I want to teach my students. This is what I want to be able to do. I don't want to be able to answer to anyone other than myself because I feel like I'm grown enough and mature enough to be able to do that. And it parallels my first change that we mentioned of moving from being a doctor to this because there's some resistance. Um, um, At this point, I'm I'm not still in the communicated uh, relationship with my original instructor. Uh, My hope is that that will change over the short term or long term here. Um, But I think it's very important, and I think it was very important to show my kids that it was if you're going to choose your path, you choose your path and go all in for it.
1: Yeah, that's a very powerful message. Mm -hmm. And also not an easy thing to do again because like you said, it's hard. There's resistance, there are people telling you what are you doing. Do you think this was easier this time? Because you already had, you know, a history of kind of saying, I'm gonna follow my own path, or do you feel like it was harder? Because I would imagine obviously more relationships have been formed. The longer you do something, the harder it is to break away from it. You're older, you have a family. Mm-hmm. How does that compare? And like which side was easier, harder, or were they about the same?
2: You know, it's a mixed bag. I, I want to say it, it was easier because like, it, like I, like you said, I've done this before. I knew I'm the kind of, I already knew the kind of person I was. When I make a choice, I make the choice and I do it. And so That part of me, once I made the decision to to, to move on, I knew I was going to do it and I wasn't going to be steered to to another direction. So that part was was easier in the academic sense. This is my choice. Now I have to pick a date to make this choice. I have to now start setting plans to do this, to get new logos made, yada, yada, yada. That academic part was easy for me. Um, This particular instance was so much different because I was le. I don't want to say I was leaving relationships but I think the with with the other side of it they feel like I was leaving my relationship with them but mm-hmm. I was also I had put a lot of energy into that organization um, and I loved every minute of it I never regretted a moment of it I put a lot of energy love and passion And there's still students and instructors in that organization that I still communicate with that still ask me for information, ask me questions. But when you're part of that speeding train, and let me just kind of give you an example of kind of the normal martial arts routine of being a part of an organization like that. Um, You have what we call tip testing within the school. Tip testing happens every seven weeks. Uh, after tip testing, is when you get your students together you give them you teach them a set of material you put stripes on their belt and pass their their tip when they get two tips on their belt they belt test Mm
0: -hmm. and when you
2: belt examine an organization like that it's huge we do it over one big weekend it literally starts at seven o'clock in the morning and we're not done until seven o'clock at night it's massive and we literally have thousands of people come through the door we rent out a location We rent out gyms, we rent out convention centers to do these massive testings. And in addition to being this massive, almost huge family reunion that we hold every three months with a bigger organization like that, it's also the instructors getting together the night before and doing instructor training and doing doing staff training events. So it's almost like a big family reunion weekend every three months. Mm -hmm. And I was in charge of that. I ran that near the last five to seven years, almost exclusively before I left that organization. And so seeing the new instructors, these young kids come up that weren't directly my students, but I had an impact with, and then having to express to them and be moving on, that made it much more emotionally difficult to leave. And it's still to this day, I'll, I'll, my, uh, my wife will get a message from, from another instructor or a family from another ones, and they'll say, We miss seeing you at the tournament, we miss seeing you at belt testing. And I get a little, 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 little teary-eyed about it, because I do miss them, but I also know that what I'm doing is true and right, and that's what keeps me going. Because in the end, I can still speak and talk to those people.
0: Right. You,
2: you can never, they say you can never go home again. Yeah, you can. Because I I literally just had dinner with one of the other head instructors and his girlfriend like two weekends ago. And I just spoke on the phone with another head instructor because he's asking me advice about something. So you can always go home again. But for me, my home are my direct line of students and families that I deal with on an everyday basis. And that's what I really did this for was I wanted to be able to create something for them that I felt like they weren't getting somewhere else. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, and I, I've told you this before, but it was more than about time for you to do that, so.
2: I think it was the right time, Rachel. Oh, well, it's
1: fine, yes, it was the right time. You have to do it when you're ready, and it feels appropriate, and it makes sense, and all of that, but like, you know, I thought it was the right time a, lo- a long time ago, <laughs> my personal opinion. So what advice would you give people in a similar situation to what you were in either a few months ago or 20 years ago when they're like, this path I'm on for whatever reason, whether because people put me on it or because it's what I'm supposed to do, doesn't feel right. I want to do this thing, but I don't know that I can. What would you tell those people and how would you help them?
2: So it's interesting because I started this this conversation with saying that I love serving. That's my personality. I like helping people, which should be, if you really think about it, would be contradictory to the decisions I'm making. Because how many people have I – in this whole interlude, and this whole time we've been speaking, I've been talking about how many people I've disappointed, how many people I could have hurt through my decision making. Um, But I like serving. So how does that work out? And I think the and the reason why I bring that up is to make people understand the most is that in the end, in order to t- take care of other people, whether you're a single mom or a mom and a dad raising a family, or you're a college student that's trying to look for your next step in life, or if you're just anybody that is trying to look where you want to go, you have to look at what's good for you. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we... We get, my generation was pre-serve, serve, serve. serve. It was all about what you did for the culture, what you did for the population, but you can't serve unless you know what your value is and where you want to serve. Because no matter how hard, you may be given a responsibility. It's like a a child inheriting a family business that they hate doing.
0: Right.
2: You have that. You've been given that. You've been told, you've been maybe have been told your entire life that you're going to run this business. You're going to do this. And so you follow it. But in the end, how good are you going to do it? Because you don't enjoy doing it. Right. Right. Um, it, it also parallels to like a mother. Like what do we, what What do we tell moms all the time? In order to take care of your kids, you got to take care of yourself. Yeah. You have to look at you internally before you can figure out what you want to do. And that might sound selfish, but it's not, well, it is selfish, but selfish isn't a negative connotation. Look at what you want. Look what's best for you. And if that means you have to change your your position in life, that means you have to change your career or position or even your your where you are, your your uh, what you're doing. That's okay because you are inevitably going to do better at something that you want to do than something that you have to do. Yeah. If you are internally motivated to do it and you feel the passion for it, then you are always going to do better at it. And in the end, you'll figure out how to make that money. You'll figure out where you need to live. When you're younger, everyone's stressed. where am I going to live? How much money am I going to do? You'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. You really, really will. But you won't figure out what you want to do unless you give your moment an opportunity to try.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely
1: so many quotes so i'm thinking like as you're talking, <laughs> time you've been talking so our social media manager hey melissa will create like she'll listen to the podcast and she'll create graphics to advertise it on social media with like the quote of the podcast or whatever she felt was like the gem that was dropped she's gonna have a hard time because yeah. there's <laughs> in here that i'm like thinking i'm like oh will that be the quote oh but that one's better so it also reminded me, like every once in a while, we need to like schedule like phone dates, so I can just have your wisdom in my life again. So I'm fired to go do something, and I'm not really sure what, but like I'm gonna go do something. Like I'm fired up.
2: <laughs> you know, what's, what's funny about that, Rachel is that all the kids are all kids are all adults now. Crazy, okay? Um, but all your everyone from your generation, from Amir to Emily to even Katie, all of you you all call me or drop by at random to ask me advice mm-hmm. and i love it so yep. anytime you want to come and talk to me set up a phone date or or we'll finally travel to new york and we can have a have a weekend of just chatting
1: i was just going to say and i'm going to like call you out to the entire podcast audience that it has been nearly 11 years and you have yet to step foot on the island of manhattan i will be there i promise <laughs> Um, neither is Amir, so Amir, because I know you're listening, you too. Yep. Yeah, right. You both, you, know, you both owe me, right? So thank you, Jarrell. We've been trying to get him here for a million years as well. That's so. true. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us and dispensing your life wisdom to everyone. Um, I knew your story, and yet I'm still inspired hearing it again. So thank you. It's my pleasure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You.
1: Um, And thank you to everyone who joined us. If you want to follow us on social media, you can find us at Viva Wellness NYC. And I am at Rachel Gersten.
0: And I'm at Jarrell Carabello.
1: And if you'd like to leave a rating, review, give us feedback, ask Mr. C for more life advice, please feel free to reach out to us or leave feedback on iTunes. Thanks for joining us. Catch you next time.
0: Bye.